Hi guys, thanks for listening to this episode. We really appreciate all of the support and staying alongside the audio to now visual component of Beans Without Boundaries. Uh, going forward with the second season, we do have like an, a little bit of increase of cost. So we set up a little donation thing through Buy Me A Coffee. It's a little website that if you're willing to just splurge, there's an option for being able to just buy me a coffee. It also gives me a good idea if you really are enjoying our content and would like to help support and continue it. The link will be in the description underneath the YouTube video. It's also going to be in the description for Apple Podcasts and um, Spotify Podcasts as well. Uh, Whichever platform uh, would be greatly appreciated to just continue following along the journey and whatever you're willing to just kind of help with feedback, whether it's comments on the videos or just going on social media. Um, And if you're feeling typically generous, it'd be great to just throw a coffee my way. Thanks for listening in and until next time. Since this is my first time really meeting you guys, how about you introduce yourselves? Sure, um, I'll start. I'm <laughs> so I'm Joel, and I actually grew up in the Philippines. I moved to New York about did I say 13 years now? Um, moved to school from the Philippines. I was in college there, and then mm-hmm. I just moved to school here. I was gonna originally become a nurse, as most Filipinos are, <laughs> but kind of diverted into psychology. I did industrial organizational psychology. Whoa, that's so interesting. It's, it's yeah, it's more on like the business side of psychology, not on like the clinical. Yeah, although it kind of like intertwined. Um, so did that, and then I needed a part-time job right after college, and I ended up in coffee. And I kind of did the entire thing. Mm-hmm. I became like a trainer, but then I actually wanted to do something with like my degree. So I asked them, I was like, is there anything I can do with like my degree here? Right. So they had offered to work and I was working in HR for a bit and then realized I didn't want to be working in a office setting. Yeah. I left that briefly and then I actually started cooking. Wow, you're like all over the place. Oh yeah, you know, I was <laughs> doing everything. Um, did not have any culinary degree or anything. I just enjoyed cooking. Yeah. And yeah, I had clients. I would go cook for people. That's cool. And then, yeah, it was really fun. And then pandemic happened. Oof. We met and had to do some like catering delivery thing like me cooking for people it it was kind of fun actually and then this is like how kind of Capicat or Sarah Casey 14 started but I'll let Jess kind of tell you a little bit about herself as well before the coffee (laughs) yeah yeah. go ahead my brain is in in the Spanglish right now (laughs) that's okay you can take your time bear with me um well I'm Jessica um, I'm actually a, a happy, um, I, I, my dad, uh, um, is from here, from the States and my mom is Colombian, but, um, I was born, raised, 
everything in Colombia, as you can see. So um, Spanish is my first language. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess that's one of my the main reasons I'm also in coffee, because <laughs> I grew, grew up in Colombia. Um, and then as growing up in Colombia, I went for art school and art history, but I focus on research. And my whole research in college was feminism mm -hmm. and feminism in rural areas, uh, how women producers are impacted uh, yeah. by this massive waste of uh, feminism in South America. My grandmother was a producer, so I was... I was doing that research with the purpose of showing, of making a paper, of showing some evidence how actually women in the rural areas are heavily impacted by our culture, our economical structure. But after that, um, I started teaching in the same university. I moved to the States to do my master's in museum studies, mm -hmm. again, research. And I started working in museums. And I was hoping that I could do something with those narratives and feminism mm. in museum. Didn't happen. So after nine years of trying and trying, uh, I was like, this is not, this is not it. This is not the place I need to reinvent myself. I need to go back to a place where I can feel like I'm happy with what I'm doing. Right. So Basically, I, trans <laughs> I, I transformed the skills that I got from museums and research and all the skill set, and we opened KC14. So I, I, when we met, I was telling her, like, I want to I wanna still work with my country. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm very, very Colombian. <laughs> so I still want to work with my country. I'm still very interested, interested in working with well, all these people in the rural areas, I I want to continue research, but I want to move the research a little bit forward. I just yeah. wanted to stay on paper. Mm. Um, and she has such a massive background in coffee. So we start talking about coffee, about, about producers, about how actually it's life changing when you give opportunity to a producer beyond the numbers beyond the the data shows beyond that like coming from a colombian family my, my grandmother was from boyacá um it's not the capital it's it, it's close but it's not the capital and she grew up and she like her produce and everything was in in chiquinquira in a place in a rural area and i know the massive impact that it, it has when you empower the producers when you empower these people to make change because it actually affects the whole family and the family in towns in rural areas affect the whole community so rural areas are way more connected that we will ever be in a city mm. and so we wanted to start with that um when we started well Cape 14 a little bit of translating her background my background and doing something that actually was meaningful and mm. stop fighting with museums <laughs> <laughs> it must have been a really long fight can imagine you're probably really fed up and frustrated, but you're doing great with what you're wanting to accomplish now. 
It seems so yeah, it's I love the the two diverse stories coming together and making something beautiful out of it. It's very original. It seems like it's really innovative for what you guys are trying to do. I, I kind of peeped the website and did a little bit of digging and I saw that two mm. of the coffees you have you sourced through Ruth, who is from Artisan yes, Coffee, yes. and she was on the show. So it was really interesting oh. how yeah, that episode just came out. Yeah, yeah, she's I amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we aspire to be just as great as she is. <laughs> yes. yeah, that's, yeah, that's literally the same thing I tell her too. Um, <laughs> so, you guys both came from very different backgrounds before getting mm-hmm. into coffee, art history, and then industrial psychology. I guess, like, when did it click for you t- to want to really pursue coffee full time? I mean, I know just was the person who had a lot of background family-wise, but I was really Uh, curious. Yeah, for me, at least, I started coffee right after college. Mm -hmm. So it's like I dove into that, the coffee world immediately and got sucked in and still am like here. So when we met, I already have about about like a decade experience in coffee. And I knew I wanted to do something that I always wanted to start something open something Mm -hmm. and it was a no-brainer when we talked and decided as to like what we wanted we both I when we met we knew we want something to do with coffee at least I wanted that and she did too and I was like well like there's nothing like it's something in common that we want to do and like with her research background and like with my coffee background it was yeah it was like a no-brainer for us so it's very yeah, like, more yeah, exactly. It was more like it sounds sounds cheesy and everything, but it's more like those honest decisions that at one point you have to make for yourself. I feel like coffee, coffee was a decision. It, it sometimes coffee happens to be like like in the case of producers, second generation is like. But for us, it was more like a a decision, a conscious act of being like. Do we want to follow that path, even though, in in my case, like saying goodbye to my suit and, you know, the makeup every day and the high heels to roast coffee Mm -hmm. uh, was was a big um, leap of faith. It was more like, it is my passion, but I'm scared. So I guess it was for both of us. Yeah. A very mindful decision right yeah I think in in consideration it this is something that we both wanted to live by it's like really having like our values instilled within the company that we started right something that we're proud of no matter what yeah I'm so sorry. I'm like, I'm just processing. Um, So I ask everybody on the podcast as to what was the main reason you guys wanted to be on the show? Because obviously this is our first time interacting. So I was really curious as to like, what part of this did you want to be on the show for? Well, we... I would say that in my case, for me, it was mostly like, like podcasts also like bring sometimes um, 
I wouldn't say uncomfortable, but tough conversations from time to the table. Mm. I do believe that um, when women have a space to speak, they should always yeah. go for it. Uh, since it's very new <laughs> that we have a space that we can actually talk and more like in a, in a, como se dice, Aria? Area? There you go. That is um, mostly uh, men. Mm. <laughs> like it's been for generations that um, men been um, like, I wouldn't say the head, but they've been taking over the, the coffee industry. And I feel like it's 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 powerful when women can actually talk about yeah these like things coming together and mm -hmm. using each other's platform honestly to empower each other. Mm -hmm. Does that also make connections and people hearing this? Uh, like most people, most women that with randomly got in touch with mm -hmm. even through instagram they feel empowered just because they hear our story or right. see our story and then they ask for advice and like them feeling empowered and then them inspiring other people as well that's so that's such like a great feeling for us women yeah i find it amazing seeing how many different walks of life enter the coffee industry and how mm -hmm. they all got there and the story as to why they're still in the industry, because obviously there are struggles like you were talking about it being very um, male predominant. And I was gonna ask, have you guys ever run into having issues within the industry with men in oh. any aspect? <laughs> Look at her face. <laughs> She's like, Early how much on. time? <laughs> no, there are different struggles. There, the, the, from, from the small ones that, are actually very, um, I would say educational. And it's, I would say, I'm not going to assume that it comes from a bad place. I do think that it comes sometimes from pure curiosity, but sometimes we get um, people asking us, like customers or people interacting on social media, why, like, what's the point of women coffee? Like, why you highlight that you buy from women produce? It makes no sense. And it's just like, well, this is why. And having those conversations, like, this is why it's important. And not only, like, for you to know, but it is important for us. Because yeah. at the end... Um, this is our mission that we yeah, decided to take on. Right. Uh, so from those um, interactions that I think that... Actually, they always end up with something good. Yeah. Uh, even if it's just, like, this kind of questions that some people other people can read if they were wondering the same now they can read it's already there mm. uh, like those responses um up to many other big challenges like uh, uh financial financial wise um sometimes it is um well it's not a secret it's hard to get certain loans certain things when when I would say when you're a woman, I feel like financially or economic wise, um, there is an impact of being a woman in business. Uh, and it starts for small things like it can be, yeah, it can be things as loans, but sometimes uh, people question like, like when you're going to find a place to rent or 
like they wanna they wanna know who's behind the project like you mm. need to prove extra proof why yeah. you're doing this right yeah and taking yeah no detail <laughs> so like what she said but i have a question though yeah go ahead uh, when did you start this podcast and what made you start this podcast Sorry, I'm like the reverse. <laughs> no, I love when people ask me questions, so it doesn't just feel like an interrogation. Because <laughs> sometimes I do feel bad just like digging and digging and digging. Right, answers. right. Um, so I started this podcast as an idea um, back in last year of the summertime. And then through a lot of deliberation in my head whether or not to actually produce it. And then I had an interaction with an importer from Colombia, actually. Right. It was just, it wasn't, it felt very isolating and uncomfortable because it was like, I wasn't really addressed a lot of the time it, because it was a male, gotcha. male interaction. I was kind of just in the room like a fly. And then yeah. I kind of came to this realization that there needed to be some certain level of awareness because I went to the roasters retreat last year and met a lot of amazing, empowering women and I kind of just have only been in the industry for over a year and a half. So I've been a barista for five, six years. And then I started doing roasting last year. And that has migrated into a larger role at this point. Okay. And I was just asking these questions about, is this just like how it's always been? This like cockiness, this like level of arrogance. And I'm not trying to like talk down because obviously it exists in all areas of careers but I just like noticed it predominantly more in that space and I just didn't like the fact that all the women were very much in unison realizing this this has just been a reoccurring issue and I was just like so we're not going to talk about it and that's when I was like okay so are we going to have the conversation I feel like women should sit down with each other women people of color queer folks should sit down and like talk openly and candidly about these things about what experiences they've had where they haven't felt comfortable or felt safe or felt like they've seen been seen and their purposes being validated for why they're choosing to be in the industry. And, um, I kind of, (laughs) it's okay. (laughs) And, um, yeah, I just kind of pitched the idea to my now producer and he was on board and we were just kind of like taking this project and trying to make it a thing. And this is also a great relationship building experience for me as well. I get to meet so many different people and I get to see how much coffee in the coffee industry means to people. And it's not just like me who sees a lot of passion and growth and opportunity within the industry. It's like a bunch of other great empowering women too. That's awesome. That's no, yeah, I definitely agree. Um, ju- we were just talking about this recently how this conversation needs to be more out there. Mm-hmm. And I know it's uncomfortable sometimes talking about those experiences, but the more we talk about it, the more we all get to desensitize, not choosing not to talk about it. I and think, like also like be more aware too, like most like everyone. Yeah, but for example, when we talk about this, like having this uncomfortable conversation, sometimes I get to think because when I was doing my research in Colombia, this is uncomfortable for who? 
Yeah, there you go. Perfect. I was just going to bring this up, too. Just like it's a certain level of oppression women have always felt the need to conform to no matter what society and cultural values that we always will feel this certain level of like uncomfortability from having very candid conversations because it's not encouraged. I think a lot of the time in cultural values. Yeah, because that that was kind of like the question that um, when this recurring uh, question, like why, uh, like why do you want to work with women produce, or why does your label have to mention that it's women produce? Like, for what? And I start wondering, like, I explain them. I I explain why, starting by well. Like, honestly, with all due respect, no, it's our company, it's our rules. Like, mm. that's one of the things that I like about having a company. Um, because I play the game by somebody else's rules for yeah. many, many, many years. And it's just like, well, no, this time it's our company, it's our rules. And this is our vision. This is actually yeah. our values. And I wonder why aren't they feeling uncomfortable mm. questioning somebody else's values or highlighting something that for us uh, actually makes us very proud. Uh, That's true. So it's yeah. just like, why does it make some people uncomfortable like having these conversations? Because on it, like with all, you know, the respect, but sometimes I get very tired of being the one that is feeling uncomfortable because like yeah. I wouldn't be feeling uncomfortable about this. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a certain level of just uh, exhaustion to having to explain yourself and justify your actions when a lot of other people don't have to. Yeah. And they can openly just say whatever they want without mm-hmm. having to I was gonna say. filter so many things in their heads before they open their mouths. Yeah. But it's, it's, it, I feel like it's part of it. it. It also helps to see the other side. I feel For like sure. sometimes, um, especially in coffee, one amazing thing that, uh, I kind of like I've been working on, but coffee have like helped me with is to listen, to actually hear and understand the whole situation. Because sometimes when you work with producers, um, you just need to listen what they have to say. Like mm. not not listen to answer, not listen to have a response. No just listen and i feel like it it's very helpful for us owning a a company because we get to actually hear out our customers people that you know have questions about those values so i feel like if we are not in our case um not willing to engage like on the same kind of like attitude or fight but just listen uh it gives us a little bit more insight on on how to approach it and yeah. to actually see the whole spectrum of the people that are involved in in, in coffee yeah i think that that kind of transcends even outside of the community i think in general people should apply that 
because half the time I know from personal experience, if I'm just trying to vent, I don't need a solution all the time. I can figure that out on my own. But half the time it's like I have things that I want to say and I just want someone to just kind of sit and be engaged and listen and care about what's being said. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Definitely. Agree. So we're all aware of a lot of the issues with trying to vocalize and put forth a lot of our issues with the industry how do you feel we should kind of connect them all together and kind of bring awareness and change to a lot of the imbalance that happens i know it was a loaded question (laughs) where do we start (laughs) go ahead you guys got full reign very i would say i have a very kind of heapy answer to it it's it's very um that it's it's outside even the coffee world. I mm-hmm. do think that it starts with each person. Uh, I like whenever like this kind of conversation happen, whatever you know, these issues arrive. I do think that people should have a sit down, quiet time, because uh, part of our experience with coffee is having that mindful experience of coffee. Like just sit down, (laughs) smell your coffee, appreciate your coffee, Mm. mindful with everyday practice, be mindful about your words because of course it has, uh, you know, words are so powerful. Yeah. Actions follow (laughs) your words, our words, thoughts, everything. So it could just start with an act of starting with a mindful act every day. Mm. I would feel like the industry would be, and in general, so much better, less less ego driven. Yes, yeah. more like start with you. Mm. Start with you and that cup of coffee, and we'll right. go from there. Yeah, imagine yourself being so present and just mindful Mm. and so the things surrounding you outside does not seem to Mm -hmm. feel so big and problematic anymore i know it's like easier said than done but it does take a lot for each of us to be present and just mindful of our own selves and then it makes it so much easier to relate and be compassionate and kind towards the others as well. And also towards our, ourselves. I feel like being uh, women who own a business, um, mental health is part of it. Mm. And, um, the idea of, of, you know, what's considered successful, how you consider yourself successful, it also plays a part inside the industry. It's not like the industry has nothing to do with all of us, each individuals. No, I feel like if us as individuals work a little bit more on ourselves um, and inside, you know, whatever we're doing, that we're doing in a mindful way, it would be it would be so different. Mm-hmm. But, you know, do you feel do you both feel that a lot of the coffee industry has forgotten a lot about? the the stories 
I just feel like there is there. I don't know. It's lost in translation. So. Yeah, I feel like sometimes it definitely <laughs> does not get talked or it does not reach everyone at mm. all. I feel like most of the time regarding coffee, from the producers themselves to the consumers, the consumer side, I feel like all they know is the origin of coffee they're drinking. Mm-hmm. Does not necessarily know who the producers are. How long did the producers work on that? What other coffees those producers work on? Like nothing. It's just the origin of the coffee. Sometimes even not. It's just like, hey, do you have that? I don't know, like Colombia. I'm like, oh, it's not like Colombia. Um, <laughs> and if Justin and I may are like, we make sure that we get to tell tell the stories of the producers in our bags, and whenever we do launch new coffees and offerings like she does uh in-depth like research of all these coffees sometimes like whenever we get samples of coffees and amazing coffees we then ask uh about the producers and sometimes importers tell us oh um it's just like not provided yeah i've run into that so much but yeah. I feel that's that's what comes with with it working in the industry is not only about finding the coffee; it's about partnering with the right people. And yeah, the right people, it comes with finding your your importers, yeah. you, the producers that you're working with. So many uh-huh. times it happens that you know, uh, for example, in Colombia, uh, there's still like certain mafias when it comes to coffee and who is actually you know being the, I don't know in English, how is the, the name of this, but the coyote, who is the person in charge of picking up all this coffee and taking mm. it to work, you know? So it's just, it takes um, takes time to do the research, definitely. Um, but I feel like it's necessary. It's necessary mm. to improve not only like the industry, but actually uh, the the like sustainable living in 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 origin right and so it's not just finding good coffee and an amazing yeah. um, producer in in our case well we work with importers we don't do direct um trade since uh in terms of of money we cannot afford being our own self like importer exporter and everything like no. yeah we cannot afford it at the moment but working with someone but working, like ruth it is, makes a difference it makes such a difference that knowing knowing uh-huh. her practices and values mm-hmm. what she puts in um it makes it it makes us feel so much better as consumers of those coffees that we bring into to our own consumers over right. here like we're yeah we're pretty much like very confident as to we feel good about this coffee like buying this coffee from her yeah excited and also there's the openness that we can ask how much was the producer paid paid? Mm -hmm. um what are the challenges that they're having right now like for example right now we're working with um some producers also in the philippines and I don't even, I cannot even start with the amount of challenges. I think it's more challenges than copy in this moment. Uh, so the problem with with that is, is more like, okay, what can we do like on our side to, instead of just buying coffee, just because we want coffee from the Philippines, but what can we do to actually 
make this a sustainable relationship, make their, uh, make it like, like a lot of people in the Philippines actually want to stop working with coffee to find something other cup or mm. something else because um, uh, the challenges uh, are are massive. And we as ha like as we start having conversations, we realize, well, there are some challenges that you have that that we can actually help with. Yeah. So uh, let's see. So how can how can this work? Yeah. It sounds, like, it sounds a lot. Of like um ruth was talking about this on the episode too the idea of economic development like mm. helping build and sustain a lot of the communities that they're already growing and uh -huh. helping them with education or finances or whatever it is it sounds like you guys are kind of leaning into that interest with yeah. the no for sure because currently the government in the philippines really is like not supporting any of like the coffee industry mm -hmm. and specialty coffee is like slowly growing yeah. it would be a shame that we can't get our hands into the filipino coffee just because they can barely manage th themselves over there right. so recently when we were talking to there's two amazing girls actually from cebu philippines um we've been trying to like bring their coffees here mm -hmm. um, they were telling us that the producers because of like the thunderstorm, a lot of beds got destroyed and drying coffee has been a problem. Right. So we, we asked it, hey, like, you know, we can support that, like we can build more drying beds for like their coffees because those coffees basically went to waste and they don't, they don't produce that much coffee anymore to begin with. So like them having to throw out those coffee because it's just, they can't sell those. It's, it's such a shame. It's a lot of hard work. That's really yeah, fun. for sure. And that must have been so hard for the producers and farmers themselves. Cause you know, it's like they're, that's like where they get their money from their living. Yeah. And these challenges you can find it everywhere, everywhere. And, and, and that's a, I feel like that's a, it's also a decision as a company. If we, uh, if we want to actually get involved into that or just be like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to find mm -hmm. another importer and yeah. figure it out. Yeah. But I feel it wouldn't make sense if, right. if we chose to ignore do, everything. Yeah. yeah. If we chose not to get involved in that area for me, it would be a little bit like, okay, let's go back to an office, like to museums and let's forget about this. Like yeah. Ignoring because... the problem essentially. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like, like let me know when there's coffee. I was gonna say it, we we especially in America have the the luxury of the choice to ignore, too. Mm. I think that that's something that gets uh, abused a lot in For any sure. industry, not even just the coffee production industry. Yeah, everywhere. And also, we do have the 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 choice to help as well. Yeah. I wouldn't. Well, yeah, it is. It it is uh, seen as help but it, honestly yeah, it's, it's just working uh, with aid yeah it's a it's a horizontal uh, relationship that we want to build mm -hmm. um, it, it wouldn't make sense just to if we see coffee as a transaction it's pointless exactly it's pointless. nothing that comes from the pacha um from mother earth nothing that comes from the pachamama should be seen 
as as just a transaction as a product because it's something that is it's a cycle it grows somebody needs to be there mm-hmm. so it's just a respect also with the with with the earth with the pacha yeah. it's, it cannot be something like i buy and goodbye and mm-hmm. hopefully you're good with the crop no for example in colombia this year it was terrible like 30% of the coffee went to waste. We have, instead of four to three months of rain, we have seven months of rain. That's a massive, massive, massive problem for the country. And if we as a company say, you know what? Your coffee just lost uh, quality or your coffee, you, you, you don't have enough coffee, so we don't want to do this transaction. It hurts the producer. Yeah. It's not a transaction. We know these people, Luz Marina, would be heavily affected. And not only Luz Marina, her, her whole um, community, community her, her her town, everything. So it's just like, no, we stand by them as we know that uh, it is part of building a sustainable community. It's not yeah. just a convenient community. It's not like, mm. oh, you got something. You have amazing coffee. You know how how many points do you have on that cup? Beautiful. I'll buy it. Yeah, it's it's really interesting because um, I talked to Camila Calife about quality and green grading and how there's a lot of controversy of whether it really matters depending on what you're accomplishing with the coffee. And she, she brought up, (laughs) you're shaking your head. No, like she brought up a great point. She said to bring all of the, the bad graded coffee, all the defects and put it in a cup of coffee and drink it. And imagine how origin countries are drinking those coffees every day of their life and they're fine. And I think that if people can kind of shape their value towards the relationship building and not just on the cup of grading, because mm-hmm. then it's becoming it's becoming you're stripping away a lot of the qualities that come from coffee. It's not natural anymore. Then it's controlled and it's no longer like coffee can be good even with defects. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But that's 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 the that's the um, the pacha side of it. It's mm-hmm. just like I think it's a very um, I would say European and U.S. Uh, concept of. Ooh, this the, this banana is a little bit like weird. It yeah. doesn't have the, the nice shape, so um, trash. And it's just like, <gasps> como? Like for us in it's just like it, it. It's their gift from the pacha, so we we consume them. You know, Colombia. We as Colombians, we don't drink quality coffee inside the country. Mm. It's, it's starting. It's slowly starting, but no, we don't. And yeah, we grew up with that coffee, and we're still very. Okay, um, but instead of you know of ignoring that inside the country we're drinking not quality coffee, it's more like also empowering the producers. Mm. They all can achieve like the the best quality of their product, as long as the other people that are surrounding them are giving the tools. Yeah, depriving the producer from education, the knowledge, the tools. It's part of their problem. Yeah. yeah. I do think that um, roasting, uh, teaching origin. teaching uh, producers how to roast is empowering them to make wiser decisions and better decisions with their coffee. Mm-hmm. Empowering them to have the knowledge about how to treat certain uh, plagues, about how to um, fertilize. Fertilize. Uh, 
how to use their own products is the is the best way and you would see that in origin there's a lot of community that's actually share this ancestral knowledge like in la sierra nevada santa marta our um older siblings they're called um los arhuacos that they're, they're indigenous they're they're are one of our many indigenous cultures and i would say that they they do have the knowledge they do have a lot of power and I'm very grateful for women like Aurora Izquierdo uh, that herself as a indigenous woman as Arhuaca she's been sharing this knowledge with women in her community and outside her community she's been empowering people so why out there um, roasters and other companies are not like buying all her coffee because what she's doing is just it's massive but it also requires on the other side, the ones that are not in the country, to get interested in that. And also for the consumer to know that behind that cup, all this happening. Mm. Over 3,000 years of ancestral knowledge on how to take care of the seeds. It's mm. not that cup of coffee. You're drinking the knowledge of our community that is was it, it's been there since since forever even before the spaniards got there and took everything from us mm. so th they're drinking history they're drinking uh a whole cosmovision and that cup of coffee it's very ritualistic it's very ceremonial and i that's a it beautiful is, yeah. thing to listen to for sure yeah <laughs> <laughs> that was great. <laughs> I know, right? she, she's like, I, I always tell us that whenever she explains things, it's like TED Talk. <laughs> Can well, I just say, I think that has to do with the power of language. But I think from just my very short experience with Colombian people, the way they talk has impact. Like I've talked to many Colombian women and they just know how to speak well. <laughs> Even if it's not their native language, it's just the power to their, their the way they say things, the way they enunciate, the way they have emphasis and impact with what they say. I'm just in, I'm just like captivated. I'm like, keep talking. I'm just like <laughs> more. <laughs> That's how I get her to marry me. Exactly. <laughs> she talked me into it. <laughs> you just sat there and you're like, Yes, I will. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> She hasn't even asked the question yet. Yes. Yeah, whatever you need, whatever you want, I'm there. <laughs> I find it interesting. Did you guys start the business together before you guys became got married? Yeah. We were already dating. Uh, we started it before we got married, though. And luckily enough, he <laughs> looked at me and was like, what? Uh, <laughs> It's funny how we naturally divided the company, like like our to-do task in a way. I I basically gravitated towards the things that I'm good at or I feel confident with, and she just did the same thing. Mm. And we didn't even really talk about like you're gonna do that, I'm gonna do this. Everything we just fell into to... place. Exactly. Yes, and yeah, everything beautiful. is done separately, and then we like come together, have a meeting. I was like, oh, you did that. I was like, yeah, because I, I wasn't going to do that anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> so it worked out. It's like my, it, it, we kind of supplement each other. Like my weaknesses are, are her the other way around. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's very nice. 
true. Yeah. <laughs> it does help that we do share the same values. Mm-hmm. One thing I know like a lot of our friends and family ask, I was like, is it hard starting a business with your significant other? Right. Um, we yeah. thought it was going to be difficult because we've heard some stories. Yeah. Um, but honestly, like you really just have to be as honest and be right, but vulnerable, uh, vulnerable, but also like know how to like communicate like would, everything. No, just be, just listen and communicate. Do you think it strengthened your marriage? It sounds like a lot of the time, the values of what you guys both resonate, even outside of the relationship, if it reflects in your career as well, I feel like that would just kind of bring the bond a lot more solidified. Yeah. Totally, absolutely. Um, both like personal and work. Sometimes, if we do have some misunderstanding, we always it boils down to our values, mm. and then we just become grateful that we can tackle those things together and then resolve things mm. together. And yeah, it it definitely helps yeah. a lot. We tend we try to the most to see everything as a learning opportunity. Sometimes, uh, like we were talking at the beginning, sometimes there are other factors that mm-hmm. um, make me um, a little bit triggered or make me question myself. But at the end, is it's all a learning. I, I would, I'm always like grateful even for those sometimes bad interactions because I learn not only about the other side, but a lot about myself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It does bring out, because there's just going to be that if you're doing a business like, you know, by yourself or other people that you don't know. Yeah. Um, because we're together, we we, we kind of like keep each other in check. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, you know, like, are you sure? Like, yeah. And we're more willing to also listen to each other. To, yeah. So not just only being women in the industry. Um, I'm kind of gravitating towards now. Uh, the queer side of the industry how have you guys Mm. had in terms of experiences being queer women of color obviously (laughs) and you all whatever you feel comfortable with talking about oh no no yeah very comfortable um still happens though like sometimes that people always assume that we are just business partners Uh, i know your partner i was like my wife i was like oh or like just be like my wife Exactly. Oh, yeah. They, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I we try that. <laughs> um, yeah, it does happen. It, I we are aware that it's kind of a risk, uh, or it, I wouldn't say a disadvantage. I would say it's a strength if we know how to use it. But um, well, it's not. It's not a secret that a lot of people are not um are not very happy with with gay people and mm. unless when they're married uh, <laughs> and um so far the experience haven't been bad because we also have set our boundaries this is not negotiable this is yeah. who we are right it's part of our values and it's something that uh we're very proud of yeah. i'm very very proud of of um me as a woman um us as a marriage yeah. and um, people of color we're yeah. both like immigrants yeah so 
um, I feel like it does because we tell people or like we feel strongly about our values, about like what we do and who we are. Yeah. It does attract the people we also share the same values with. Yeah. And we do put it everywhere else at this point, right? It's on our website and everything. This is a, a business of a couple. Yeah. Of a Filipina and a Colombian. So yeah. the beginning. No, this is a we're gay, we are married and, and yes, and we're a Colombian Filipino couple. So this yeah. is this is what you you get. Um but I do feel like because we are so proud of that, um I feel like it's it's on our side. Or at least the people that are interested in our company also like respect that yeah. and, and see that in us. Um, yeah, I wouldn't feel comfortable like you know put it on the on the back or just being like yeah Colombian Philip. No, because it is it is it is what it is, and somehow uh, we make it work despite you know. Uh, I know that this wouldn't be able to happen, unfortunately, in Colombia or even. And the Philippines. Mm. Um, it would be so much harder. It, it just so, be... yeah, it just so happened. I feel like this happened in the right time, right place mm -hmm. over here. So why not? But turn? also, like, I do think our story as well inspire a lot of other queer people in coffee. Um, These two girls that we're talking to at the moment in the Philippines, they're queer, they're together, and they feel that's beautiful. So yeah. Such an inspiration about like our story, yeah, but they like, do also we... feel the pressure, yeah, the cultural pressure, the business pressure because things add. It's not just like you're presenting yourself as a woman; you're a gay woman, yeah. And then you start adding those factors, yeah. yeah you know, sometimes it can get <laughs> very overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any experiences, like, or any stories, or from other people that you've talked to about, um, like queer experiences, like in the business challenges, challenges, yeah. I definitely have my own personal experiences um, and challenges, and. I will say I haven't met many queer folk in the production industry in comparison to a lot of the front of the house baristas. And I, I know you. it's all scattered, but a lot of the time there's always this level of like insecurity and some of the people I have talked to haven't felt safe in the circumstance. And I know a few people who have lost jobs because of their identity. So, um, yeah, I've definitely seen the effects of, being open and being queer and, and the effect it has on such a conservative culture that is the production industry that's just like how it's always been built because uh -huh. of a lot of the cultures being very conservative and patriarchal it's such a liberal and open concept that some people just can't yeah. accept right um, and you know i think another thing that influences that also is your environment i think a lot of the time um I can say that I'm from the Midwest and I can only recall on the experiences I've had with Midwest queer people as well, that it's just, it's not as enlightened and as um, accepted and opened as it could be like on the West or the East coast. So 
it's maybe a little bit harsher here. Mm-hmm. There, It's kind of growing, but overall, I feel like a lot of the time, it's just, it's kind of like, okay, boomer talk with a lot of the people here. And it's, it's really sad. So, um, it's nice hearing positive experiences, <laughs> but the reality is they both do exist on, on both sides of that, that line. Yeah. It's like, yeah, no, totally. I feel like there are those, it's like a good thing here. Mm-hmm. That was, like we're, we're here and we have a group and it's like openly accepted, mm-hmm. but also on the other side, like there are also those challenges that we yeah. face that even though it's widely accepted here. Um, I think I've had more struggle with my um, identity as a person of color than my queerness, to be quite frank. Yeah, same. same. Yeah. I think that it's really interesting how that works, but I think being Middle Eastern, I'm first generation. So my parents immigrated here. And um, growing up in that culture and then growing up in American culture, it's very vastly different. Um, Lots of self-identity issues happened growing up here. But a lot of the the discrimination I faced, I also grew up around 9-11. So that time frame of Muslims and Middle Uh Eastern Pakistani people and how they got affected... um, You'd think that even after a few, like, it's been over 10, 20 years now since that happened, that it, it's so interesting interacting with other first generation Middle Eastern kids in America, because they have absolutely no effect towards it anymore. So it's, it's, it's a really big gap within even our Arab American generational trauma. (laughs) So, but I I do, I do see the, like the struggle more with the racial part. Like for example, I would say in Colombia would be the other side. Like uh, the fact of being in Colombia. Well, now it's more open, of course, but but it is still a thing. Um, but when when I came here, um, well, yeah, I feel like as you as you, as you're seeing through the camera, um, and as I do hear it very often, it's like, oh, you look white. Mm. Until, until you talk. Mm. That is just like, yes, because I'm happy to be yeah. a face. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to, I'm, I'm happy to be a mixed person. Um, and English is not my first language. And of course the culture is not, not, but also uh, be aware that Colombians, um, we come in all, like in general, Latinos, we come in all shades of colors mm-hmm. because, you know, because, We've been fucked by so different co- so many different colors. <laughs> what happened? This is the the result of your own colonialism. So, so a lot of people say, "Oh, but you get the um the the white privilege because you know because you look white." She's like, "Yeah, but I would have to be completely quiet all the time to get that privilege." So it doesn't happen because most of the time I'm required to to speak to talk. So. So I do not, I do not get it very often. And it's common for me to get to answer every time. Where are you from? I, I, I can hear the accent. It's just like, yeah, why? Why <laughs> you need to know? Yeah. I mean, or, like... or do my wife, like, um, she's been here for a very long time and English is the second language in the Philippines. So her English is on point. And mm-hmm. 
when somebody somebody asked her once, like, I, um, where 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 are you from? She was like, oh well, I grew up in the Philippines. Oh yes, I can hear an accent, and she's like, she has no accent. How can you like? Do you know that people in the Philippines, you know, they speak English like because of the colony? So explain to me how 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 those things interact. Or, or for example, I was so scared during COVID times whenever she would have to go out to work or, or anything because friends of us, close friends, as being Filipinos, uh they did they did got racially profile uh, yeah. with the whole COVID situation. Yeah. So in, in, in many different terms, I we do we do feel the the racial thing heavier or well at least I do a lot because you know I get mistaken all the time and it's uh it's a situation where I have to explain why do I look like this and why do I sound like this? Oh yeah. Uh, I hate that too. I get that a lot. I love I love it's not even just you said language before language words are powerful right it follows by actions there there's a way to address people of color and immigrants and it's just like down to the language it's just i know it's like i get i get the question of what are you yeah oh yes and i'm like do i look like an animal to you do i have horns do i have a tail like i'm a person so it's right. like I always have to take this initiative. It comes down to like always having to over explain and justify myself down to literally my yeah. race, not just being a woman and a woman of color. And then like, why do we have to do that? Exactly. Do Those questions. But that's the thing. I do feel that it's something very center um, in here in the United States because I used to live in Mexico. Um, although we're Latinos. And of course, my accent is completely different as Mexican accent. Mm-hmm. I never got to question about my background. Uh, then I live in Spain, and I got questioned very much about my back. Well, my 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 Spanish. Why it was so different? But I do feel like it's in certain cultures. Mm. It's I, I'm sorry, but in, in colonial backgrounds, you will always get asked why you are, why you speak, why you sound, why you look. Well, in other countries, it's just yeah. like... A normal. Eh, yeah. yeah. I will say that I had a, yeah, exactly. a <laughs> very similar experience in Mexico. I went to Mexico in April, and I didn't know what to expect. Mind you, my Spanish isn't bad, but I sound like an American speaking Spanish. <laughs> it's, it's like you can tell that I'm definitely not... Uh, yeah, native. Yeah. yeah. But it was... It was never a question of like, where are you from? Oh, you have an accent when you speak Spanish. Like I never had that occurrence at all. And I didn't feel like. But I think it's it's different because, for example, uh, I know it happens in the Philippines. And I know because I'm learning Tagalog and people get very excited when I speak Tagalog. It's like, oh, my God. Yeah, it's more enthusiastic on our side. On, on when I hear people uh, from here. um they they've been learning Spanish, where there's just like they. I sometimes my brain is just like I can't do English today, and yeah. I talk to people in Spanish, and hearing them talking back at me, just like and they are like um, I learned this or I took two semesters in college, <laughs> so I'm like keep doing it, like mm. it's very impressive. Um, and in, if you go to Colombia and you speak Spanish, people are going to be like, oh, my God, you're doing great, you know. 
But in here, when you speak more than one language, or if you have the accent, or if you just, have the accent, it's it's not it's not a plus. It's not a plus here to actually make the effort to speak another language. No, yeah. it's, it's completely the opposite. It's really it's interesting the- too. American <laughs> culture. It was built on the melting pot, right? Like that whole ideology of like, it's an immigrant collective. Like we have brought all these different people and we've made it this identity that it's supposed to be welcoming and it's supposed to be like all of these things. But then when you get down to it and you really think and then you travel and you get exposed to different people and different cultures, it's really interesting how anti-immigrant accepting it is here now. No, I would say no. The U.S. did have that that gap, like where it was like embraced. Mm-hmm. It took it took a turn, um, <laughs> but but that's also the beauty of the coffee world, because in the coffee world, we all speak different languages. It doesn't and matter. It's yeah, always a plus. it's always a plus. Your background is always a plus that you're making the effort to understand. Yeah, yeah. in another language, so. It's such a welcoming uh, experience. Yeah. It's it, it, it would never be, oh my God, your accent. No, no, no. It would always be like, it's great that you, you know, that you speak English. It's great that you speak Spanish. It's great that you, like, that you learn this other language. Because what I always tell is like, um, I don't, I don't speak Tagalog fluently, talk to the people in the Philippines. I would say a couple words and of mm-hmm. course I learn all how to say the thank you in the language of the producer that I'm talking to because that's that's the most I can do. But it's is it is that kind of industry I do feel. Yeah, there I is, agree. It does have that colonial background, but let's let's also look at the other side. Let's look about uh, the industry that is also very interested in in building building relationships mm-hmm. even despite how different yeah and like we are in terms of religion for example religion uh Ultra, racial everything, everything. Yeah. next is all because honestly yeah. we are interested about about coffee we're talking yeah. about coffee and if we talk about other um agricultural products uh they import for bananas flowers rice it definitely the the the, the earth does connect people mm. yeah the coffee comes mm-hmm. from the same soil. Yeah, it's, it's in something different we... parts of the world. People cultivating those crops and bringing them to us. And I feel like, yeah, the more I feel like the more people are aware of that narrative, the more grateful we'll feel about everything that we are consuming mm. from all the producers in the world. I like the word that you used to describe Mother Nature. What did I say? Uh, I think it was Pachamacha. Pachamacha? Oh, the Pacha. Pachamama is it's mother. It's Mother Earth. It's it's yeah, Spanish. Well, it's indigenous, um, but we have many different. Depends on the on the indigenous um, community. Community. We we have a word specific. For well, for our goddess, for our god, our god is the land. Mm. But it happens to be in every community. It, it is a woman. It is the feminine energy. 
we do divide feminine energy, energy and masculine energy. And it happens to be that in every um, indigenous community, it's the feminine energy. Yeah. And yeah, Pachamama is kind of known as the, it's mother earth. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's our mother. Yeah. I will say that I don't know much about the Philippines coffee origin, like in terms of what the culture is there like uh, yeah back in what was it 70s or 80s um they were exporting we were one i would say top four within the top four biggest exporters wow in the world a lot um until the plague happened the red plague it destroyed all the crops actually brazil got hit first and that's why the philippines were um was one of like the top one that still was exporting, but the plate got them mm. eventually. And it was because the government was not very supportive at that time. Mm. It was so hard for the producers, farmers to recover and they were forced to turn into a different crop. And so there was a big gap of the farmers still doing coffee but it was mainly, they couldn't really produce a high quality mm-hmm. coffee just because they didn't have the resources to do so. Mm-hmm. They're not being supportive, supported by any of like big companies and whatnot. And so it, recently, I guess I would say like for the past maybe four or five years, mm-hmm. um, a lot more people went to the Philippines to help develop and cultivate, cultivate the land and really um educate some communities there mm. to develop specialty coffee yeah so now um i think like blue bottle actually um was able to get some specialty coffee from and, the philippines from the philippines and produce them um the thing the philippines is i would say it's it's such a uh blessed uh soil they have uh liberica they have robusta they have arabica so they have everything yeah we have liberican coffee that you can't find anywhere else liberica is like a different variety it's like much longer Mm -hmm. and bigger um that's just found in the philippines that's so cool yeah i think you can find a small quantity of liberica i think in indonesia but I mean, they're neighbors. They're right there. <laughs> We're pretty much the same. But the ones who actually really been um, consuming it locally and nationally very proudly, uh, of course, the Philippines, they they, they have a, a different relationship with their, their coffee. They're very proud of their Cafe Baraco. And um, also, it's it's a... It's a bit different, you know, when, for example, in Indonesia, there are like the house crops, like people have like their garden and they have yeah. the coffee. Well, the Philippines as, as South Americans as well, um, well, we were colonized. So they do took that part of the colony. So it, there are big parcels of land. It's mm-hmm. not like the little crop next to you. Mm-hmm. The land is divided in big parcels, so it's a little bit different from the other parts of of Asia. But it is um, 
it's been a lack of the interested in the government hmm. in their rural area to 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 work with the producers yeah. it's been more like themselves right which means very resilient they've been doing an amazing work yeah. in the philippines yeah. to to bring that that the coffee industry um and it takes also like a bunch of different people who takes in curiosity within the land to support um yeah. the farmers themselves too but it also have like you know that big background that uh, the Philippines is r right there in the center where you have on the side uh, Australia and the other side you have Japan and you have um, Korea and you have countries that consumes a lot of coffee and they're bringing out specialty coffee and it's been a scene that it's been it's been big for a while but now it's like booming massive. now yeah. it's massive so that intersection I also think that helped that happened in the Philippines. Mm. Yeah. Like I I hope and slowly that the specialty coffee scene would grow there for because yeah. I, I do feel like it, it has so much potential mm -hmm. and it would help the economy of farmers. Yeah. Mm, no, and hopefully well. when we have a very positive, like hopefully when we have a future conversation, we are gonna be able to be part of the Filipino coffee scene and uh, we're very committed to to what's happening in the Philippines and mm -hmm. the, the women amazing women that are working right now in the Philippines um starting with Calzada coffee uh importers you have La Casa de Cafe you have so many very amazing women just yeah very lifting, dedicated yeah lifting the industry um and we'll be f more than happy to be part of it, but we do feel a responsibility to 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 be part of that growth, to be right. involved. Yeah. Hopefully, you get to try some Filipino coffee. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm gonna have to figure that out because <laughs> I don't think I've ever had Philippine coffee. I've had Thailand, and that was really interesting. But um, yeah. I've never had coffee from the Philippines, so that would be great to experience. Do you feel, do you both feel that in the coffee industry, specifically, I guess, for the production industry, even business, um, women are getting more included in the conversations and then inclusivity is growing, or do you feel like it's still too low? Um, I would say nothing has been given to us we're not being included I we're including like we're ourselves we're taking <laughs> ah, there you go taking the spots yeah no no it's not like oh they they did the kindness of including no there are some very amazing brave women that have actually pushed that space for for the ones for us yeah, so exactly. um very grateful for, yeah. for all the women for the pioneers that yeah. you know started and making themselves be those strong women that yes. we like all look up to now and that they're so important i feel like in every industry it should be there should be women in 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 these big positions as directors as owners mm -hmm. as you know leading their own importing company as you know owning their own cafe whatever because they i don't know if they're whoever is listening and own 
a coffee company or whatever, like they're the boss, they they should know that, that there's people that get inspired by that. Like yeah. it actually, it, it makes us um, feel a little bit more reassured that it is possible because we've seen other women in the industry making it possible. So yeah. very grateful for all that women because as I say, nothing has been given. Yeah. it's I, It's been taken. I think that's a perfect way to describe. Yeah, that's like a really good way to describe it. Mm-hmm. I feel like we feel a lot more empowered to take that space. Because we understand that we probably won't be given the opportunity. Exactly. Yeah. We never felt like before that we deserve those spaces, but we, we do. It's that, um, and it's very common in in South America, you know, having that, um, that part of, uh, the, the, I'm going to say in Spanish, that part of the, uh, remains of the patriarchado inside you to sometimes not feel that it is your place. Like, you know, that that voice that's been very culturally, like, women does this. And I'm just being like, you know what? I'm not going to do it like that, but I'm still a woman. So I feel like nowadays I'm listening to, to, I was listening the other day to to a conversation about this. And it's just like women nowadays is not, we're not talking biology. We're not talking any about this. Women about day about nowadays is making a conscious decision of being a woman and determined that you know what kind of woman like i'm the woman but i'm not the woman that's gonna fit in the mold of what a woman is but Um, i'm a different kind of woman a non-conforming woman exactly yeah that i feel like um it's so needed also in this industry like being the the, the, sometimes even like the the one who put the uncomfortable uh topics on the table Mm. that's that's the I feel like that's the next uh, step that slowly is happening. Like, uh, why is this coffee getting graded under this yeah. thing? Or, and I do feel like now we are empowered to be like, let's question this. Let's not wait for a guy to be like, there's something wrong with this method. No, mm-hmm. like now women can be like, you know, let's let's have this conversation. I think sometimes we think culturally like we need men for change to certain change to 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 happen i think that to piggyback off of that a lot of it has to be a nurturing space for women to feel comfortable with being confrontational and direct with their decisions i feel like that's never enough pushed in a positive nurturing way that women should be able to feel comfortable being a part of a conversation and should feel empowered to say their piece and say like join the the table of men and kind of help them get uncomfortable basically (laughs) confront them and have these kind of conversations that bring about like equal change from both sides yeah yeah but i also feel like yes sometimes um the table where men are seated but also uh not forget some women also have that patriarchy very instilled instilled mm. 
in themselves and they're also part of the of the industry so um from time to time to check ourselves yeah. as women in the industry and see what are we bringing what are we putting on the table mm. uh, hopefully never abuse our power yeah. and you know like you because you're a woman and you're in a power situation yeah. uh or in a in a powerful place yeah. um also an invitation to check what are you bringing from the patriarchy in that position yeah mm -hmm. that could be very harmful for the industry yeah mm -hmm. do you guys have personal people from both sides that inspire you to continue like a mentor mentee uh relationship or just somebody in your personal life that has really inspired you to continue doing what you guys are doing yeah um we have a lot actually yeah we have like one really good friend well actually i work currently at her shop uh laura we used to work at this company back in the days and she finally probably got fed up too about working in the corporate mm -hmm. <laughs> um just kidding no she deserves like this um shop but she is more than capable more than ever even before then to have her own thing and she opened a shop and she's she's such an inspiration yeah yeah and she's always just giving advice and just empowering us both Jess and I when we started doing our coffee she immediately told us that yeah like when you guys are ready we'll have your coffee in the shop so having those people we feel supported yeah we feel supported mm. uh, it makes such a difference when there are people that support you yeah yeah willing to take you on mm -hmm. and mentor you too like guide you mm -hmm. so and that inspires us a lot and be also be in a way like for us like what can we give back yeah with like what we have yeah um my side man so many people honestly but i would say um well you know the typical like family but so like thank you for my but uh honestly my mom because such a rebellious woman uh to go you know against the conventions of the country that you know that helped me push my way through it and mm. my dad uh who actually recently passed because he was always very encouraging of being myself and it, the, the 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 thing he always told me is like stand for what you think is right even if you're standing alone mm. but you have to do it for yourself because when you stand on the other side um you're gonna live a very heavy life if you don't go by by your rules and by your truth so that has helped me, especially in, in certain um, areas of like, you know, making top decisions. Yeah. So like, oh my God, what should I do? And I just have to remember that. And in, like in broader, like in, in bigger terms, I would say um, an art historian, Colombian, Diana Uribe, uh, she's just with uh, just herself as a woman and a position of power in Colombia as a historian um 
she has she she has very like inspired mm. like my path and shown that there are other realities besides like you know the the standard reality of being a Colombian woman and um Brigitte Batiste a trans woman in Colombia empowered uh dean of um of a university and very um um aware of the environmental situation mm. and that's that's her fight and she's such an inspired figure in my life yeah mm. jewel do you have like a saying that you use whenever things get tough tough for you what do i say you are very great she always say thank you she's always, always grateful no matter what situation she's always always grateful and you know I, I would say like it's it's also our daily practice no like, yeah every meditation. morning i always say i'm ready to receive blessings mm. grow healing with an open and grateful heart <laughs> and i know like there are some tough days but i always say that everything will fall into place do not push it if, it, if you have to push something maybe you should just like kind of like take a step back and, and let it let it run its course it's, let it not be the ego yeah, yeah sometimes the ego takes over <laughs> yeah yeah there was an episode um i think uh where it was alexandra i think where she said if it's not a hell yes then it's a no if it, if it takes you having to like um if you don't feel enthusiastic about what you're doing it it's probably not aligned with you yeah and i think that's like one thing that this year we are a lot more mindful mm -hmm. to like practice is staying true to ourselves yeah every decision we make may it be personal or in business is like you know is this something that we're proud of right from now. Yes. but yeah sometimes it's hard the no situation and i think it's a woman thing saying no instead of Especially saying yes. for me, it's so hard for me to say no yeah i kind of like i go with the <laughs> i don't give a fuck i kind of say i don't give a fuck. well too late i already said it you but are welcome to cuss because trust me i have the worst mouth about cussing <laughs> great so sometimes it's like i don't give a fuck saying no to to this person to this situation is saying yes to me mm. and and uh, yeah, I do need to think about myself. Otherwise, <laughs> there won't be there won't be company. There won't be marriage. There won't be anything right. if I don't put myself in a, a healthy place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. It's like this is ours, not the others. Yeah. But sometimes tough decisions, and you know, saying no to producers, saying no to certain projects um yeah. saying no to partners saying no to people that just like no like <laughs> i would love to see my company grow faster yeah uh, but thank you yeah better, better no right yeah exactly yeah when it doesn't sit right when it doesn't feel right mm -hmm. i feel like you should take that as a sign for you know at the moment it it's like never and no forever. Sometimes. Well, nothing is forever. So <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Well, if there's um, any last, I love to, like, I kind of want to do this as, like, a re- reoccurring thing. This idea of, like, a rapid-fire controversial opinion to end sure. this off. Do you guys have one where it's just, like, I kind of wish this shit would just be well-known, but this is probably going to get my ass under a little bit of heat? Yeah. I do. Do you? <laughs> Jules, like, say it. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, the the scoring system for a specialty coffee. Is bullshit? Not... I do feel like it, it should be... It shouldn't be. It should be transformed. Grading an agricultural product and... Uh, yeah i'm not i'm not very enthusiastic about it i do not think should define many things and especially uh you know i really hope that whoever your grader uh, is making these decisions they know that they have the responsibility of uh, an entire community it's not that you're affecting oh yes pepito that person whatever no they're affecting a family a community entire country so i hope they take the job with you know with such responsibility um but i do feel like an agricultural product like the land per se shouldn't be graded we're talking about the soil we're talking about you know Pachamama. we're talking about the pacha we're talking about um uh, ancestral cultures taking care of it we're talking about so many things mm. and Sometimes I do feel like people who ask for these grades are just like, and what are you doing for the pacha? I know. What are you sustainable practices? There, we have stumbled upon some consumers that are so focused on the grades of coffee. I've also run into this issue where it's just like, you don't really care about the coffee anymore then. Right. And I bet like, that hurt me as like a business owner, but like what more those producers and farmers who like takes care of these beans and produce these beans right. and we can all have coffee ourselves. It's just like they I don't I, I don't know if like everyone is, is that aware that, the, that they're not just planting seeds and ah, goodbye I'm just gonna you know do nothing it's it's a mindful practice mm-hmm. it's they, they are very aware they're very intentional with their crops there's a whole vision behind their crops this is uh a very serious matter and for example when it happens that it rains seven months instead of four how is that the fault of the producer but as that consumer that is asking for a coffee of 97 points or something crazy what are your sustainable practices right because i see you working brands that are are not sustainable at all and i know um be living uh um a life where everything is coherent is very hard. Javier, sorry, or Javier has an opinion too about it, as you can see. I think uh, he's just agreeing with you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so I do, I do know that it's very hard to, um, you know, to live a, a life where everything makes sense. Mm-hmm. But uh, when people are already start making demands or setting rules, mm-hmm. but not are aligned to what they're demanding mm-hmm. that's a different that's a different case Agreed. you know if at least they're trying okay they're trying but if there's not even that intention but just demanding because right. they're in a place of power no 
then it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. And, you know, like, if, yeah. if you're not taking care of the pacha, if you're not involved even with the earth, how can you make these decisions? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully this doesn't come back and bite us. <laughs> Maybe it will, but hey. See, isn't this, whole, this whole podcast is about getting comfortable with uncomfortable conversations. Yeah. It's not about us That's trying true. to yeah. like sh like hide behind our voices here. So it's like, I completely agree. Who are we to, as consumers, especially consumers where we don't have a producing state in this country that makes I coffee know. to go and demand how coffee is grown how it's treated and how it's sourced now it's the defects are all like we have absolutely no true understanding until we get there and even then that's not our daily life it's not a routine so we shouldn't be the one have to the short end of the stick exactly we're like so blessed because we just received this premium mm -hmm. product yeah <laughs> premium product that we get to do have that they don't get to try they don't get to drink. Yeah, exactly. They don't get to drink the fruit of their labor. Yeah. And oh yeah, that's like one thing we kind of want to do um, when the time comes that like we can actually start visiting um, the origin that we work mm. with is bringing uh, the coffees ourselves that we roast. To but, that. but we do try like uh, with Ruth and what we did is like um, send coffees. Oh yeah, we do. Hopefully. Send producers get to try it and yeah. you know and get to see how we roast it not because that's the other thing i it's like look what we did with your product like yeah. look how how look our great job is not we always look to we're always like looking forward for what they have to say right sometimes of, so we might fuck up a lot right. of times for example they, with without order in la sierra nevada is like this make it taste like chocolate this was in a cacao farm in the their Wacos are known for um growing cacao yeah. premium cacao because it's it's our ancestral food yeah uh so basically uh well the request was do not do not remove the yeah. the, the the cacao taste well, even if i like more oranges well well, yes, of course, it's it's their product. Yeah, well, it's, it's like yeah. a cow. Respecting the the vision. You know? yeah. I, I love that. I kind of wish that was a thing, with who you worked with. <laughs> Obviously, like that would that would steer a specific crowd to each producer. But I feel like the producers would have a lot more control over their product oh. when it's like, don't manipulate it away oh, from yeah. the origin. Right, and that's exactly let's. That's a conversation. Of, that's a we practice have. we we apply towards roasting is yeah. to kind of just follow and listen to the coffee. Mm. Like, I don't know their request it. of the yeah producer. exactly. It's like we do have conversation. Um, the Ethiopia from yeah from Ruth and actually from they have um that there's like there's, a strawberry farm next to the coffee farm. And obviously, it tastes like strawberry. So Very it's delicious. Though. I've I've used her uh, dehab as well for a blend we had in the winter time, and I swear to God, that was so. It was one of my favorite Ethiopia naturals I've had. Yeah, yeah. There, there are like this conversation that sometimes uh, people assume like the producer won't have the answer, and yes, it's okay if they don't have the answer. Mm. It doesn't hurt asking. Right. Like, Sometimes, like our coffees, when when we're gonna name the back of coffee, we text them. Like right now, we're in conversation with Don Carmelo in Bolivia. Don Carmelo, what do you want the back to 
to be named. You want to have your name. You want to have the Carmelo and Familia. You want to be called like his his farm is called Senda Salvaje. Do you want it to be Senda Salvaje? What's the name? Mm. And you know, uh, give me some time. I need to think about. It. Okay, think about it. No pressure. Like whatever name, even if it doesn't, it's not related. I'll I'll transmit that. Uh, any any because he have cup his coffee. Uh, mm. still, <laughs> do you want any specific flavor? Like, mm-hmm. do you, how do you ambition your coffee? Because you yeah. already copy your coffee. Like, what do you want us to do with your coffee? Uh, if you have an answer for that, great. If not, we'll roast it and we'll send you some. I love and you'll that. Tell us it's, with. it's a very integrated process. It's not just... Because I also feel like I get sad when producers, like, their image in their, in their baby, basically, it's a baby. Uh, that they've created gets disappeared by a name that's not theirs and i understand that that kind of works for us to make blends and such but makes me sad when you kind of like lose it goes back to losing the narrative losing a lot of the relationship and a lot of the stories that come from coffee and it's not just about the product it's a lot about whose whose baby it was yeah exactly and i feel like that this is where it comes into play like we use our voice we use mm. our platform we have to keep telling those stories over yeah. and over over again i, I will always encourage people like go yeah. to our website it's just it's a two yeah. minute read i swear you can read in two minutes just yeah you know hear what this person have to say they want to tell you something just give it a read okay. yeah jewel you never vocalized your rapid fire hot take oh <laughs> We kind of should. Do I have one? No. No. (laughs) I'm telling you, she's all blessings and gratefulness. Uh, You never get fed up by one thing. It doesn't even have to be related to the production industry. Yes, there's one thing. What was it? When when importers like, when importers are like, uh, yes, this coffee is traceable. We'll send you, buy the coffee first and then we'll send you the information. We have a couple things. uh, the things that you know it happens to us with an importer, like the things that that coffee is in Colombia. And, oh, yeah. And, you know they there don't was, speak your language. I was, that person didn't know that it was Colombian. I was looking for, and I just really wanted to bring in a pink bourbon Colombian, and we happened we happened to find one delicious one, mm. and it was on the pricier side. Mm-hmm. And I was willing to take that on. I was like, let's you know, let's get this. But then we have to do our due diligence and do research about how traceable this coffee is. And the producer kind of just assumed, I was like, oh, like, this is like from this name. I'm like, okay, like, tell us more right. who this person where it's from. I was like, oh, like, you know, like, they, they only speak Spanish. I was like, great, my wife is Spanish. And uh, they're like, oh, they don't have much, like, uh, internet there. I was like, it's a city. They have- I was just like, it's Willa. Yeah. I, of course. <laughs> Like, have, what are you talking about? Of there. course, they do. So, um, being sketchy. Yeah, I really don't like when they can't just be upfront mm-hmm. with like, what they have. I don't know. It just looks, <laughs> it looks like a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah. Yeah, but another thing that's, that's the other catch with the industry that terms are so broad, like yeah. traceability. Up yeah, but points. Traceability because it's not a standard thing. Yeah, it's traceable like up to what, like to the country, because for us that's not traceable. But for some people, that's enough. 
Yeah. And since there are so many terms that are so broad in the industry, right. this kind of miscommunication situation happened very often. Yeah. I guess my rapid fire was like the some snobby coffee people. Yeah. Who are all for the points and all for the names. Yeah, I I don't like that. It's just kind of diminishing all the efforts of both the producers and also like the roasters themselves in a way. I'm like, man, like the, we're not roasting this specifically for you. <laughs> Personal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I get butt hurt for that, but it's okay. <laughs> what about you? Yeah. My hot take? I have uh recently the one that like triggered you it's really interesting yours jules because i i've kind of been running into an issue with getting traceability about a coffee that like i've been being like hey i need more information and it's just like not coming to me and i'm just like okay this is really fucking annoying but yeah i don't but know also, sorry just to add on to that um it does kind of help us filter out who we want to work with true so we, we yeah it's like ending a cycle of at least for us this is just like our practice anyway um we'd rather like work with like people who they just like openly give us the information and directing us to the producers themselves it makes it a lot easier for us mm -hmm. And yeah, knowing that we are building this relationships with them and being sustainable all right. together. It's like, you know, as we grow, they grow as well. And as they grow, we grow as well. So I don't know. It's I like a happy cycle. I think if I had to think of one <laughs> and I'm like, ooh, uh, I really genuinely hate how unapproachable the coffee production industry presents itself down to how gate kept the production industry is to the events that SCA holds. Uh. It's extremely uh, unrealistic financially for so many people understanding that financially a lot of people who work in the coffee industry don't make that much money. And then right. let's make events extremely unreasonably high to attend and impossible to get to. And yeah. Like, that's something I've found myself really fucking hating is that I'm like, I want to meet more people. I want to build more connections with people, especially women. Yeah. Um, but man, is it so hard. It's so hard to yeah. like make connections because people don't tend to be very open. And then it's really hard to go to the events that's supposed to bring in community because it's it, there's a there's a price tag even on the door. Yeah. Totally. Uh, yeah, I'm with you there. Um, I was going to say something. Uh, I know what they were going oh, to The pricing of the Q grading situation. The test. Oh, yeah. Even like the Q grading test, too, is so expensive. And the fact that you need to renew yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's I was thinking of getting Q graded. And I was kind of training with my mentor at the time. And then uh, when he kind of was like, it's really not worth it. And then I looked at the prices and I was like, what the f... It's just like, it's like a flashy degree. 
I've seen people flash it around just like this this little fancy paper. It's like, I'm a Q grader and I am right. better than everybody else because I can taste things more specifically with words. Yes. I, I wish they would flag it with like, I have the responsibility. Right, that's what I was going to say. I was like, yeah, I would definitely do the same thing, but in a different manner of like, I can help mm-hmm. these producers bring their coffee in. There you yeah. go. I would feel like it would be so different if they it's would take the power factor. position, you know, with responsibility. Like, yeah. it's not just like, oh, yes, yeah, I can taste all this. I mean, no, it's just like you have a responsibility yeah. with the producers. You you have responsibility with the, um, with the countries. So, right. I feel like I sadly don't have many uh, controversial takes since I'm still... A baby and not exposed much to this industry i feel like for somebody as opinionated as me those will rack up <laughs> once i do but <laughs> at the moment i still feel like an infant in this industry i probably will still feel oh like and it. also um i guess this was like early on in my coffee journey mm-hmm. is a lot of gatekeeping was everything like roasting yep. um you know production like even sourcing coffees and stuff um but Justin and i are actually i know this is just not us too like there's also other people but we are open to like we share our profiles the way we roast our coffee i we respect share, people who do that because yeah, i also we, do that we share we really source our coffee we like direct them directed to like the importers we work with yeah same like, the more people that get those coffees like the better, the, more, mm. the better it is for everyone. Whoever is listening, and it's also a small company. Yeah. Sometimes when we're a small company, there are challenges in the financial things. Like, we want this coffee, and we want to help this producer. We want to work, establish a long-lasting relationship with them. But the ideal is to bring one pallet. And for a tiny company, it's just like one pallet. Like, oh my god, well, how? We're always willing to you know receive samples and share pallets with other producers yeah, with other roasters is like i want a bag i want to or let's mix match this yeah. um this palette we're always open like, to do that there are always options i feel like we just need to know this that it is possible um because we, we we're not aware of these options we're not aware of this like availability of like resources right until like we have to do our own research yeah. but openly just like telling people this because like man like who's gonna help each other like just yeah. us two like yeah. no competing that's yeah. such it's a like, colonialist oh, yeah. like, thing competing for <laughs> land competing for for the for the seats like right. I, again in colon yeah. again in the 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 colonial yeah. times no like yeah we're talking about the, the seats how can we be competing this is so yeah stupid i know like we have mm. you know it's still a business like we need to make money mm. but, by, by, by but not competing. by competition i feel like if like we have a healthy way if everyone's get to roast really good coffee and everyone gets to roast like a profile that's amazing and get to sell it to people everyone's enjoying it's like a win-win yeah we're not talking about here about the traditional recipe of the grandmother of no we're talking about <laughs> everyone drinks coffee wait this that's why it's coffee yeah no matter what people are gonna continue drinking coffee and it's not like the world is getting like less yeah. crowded no <laughs> So, so let's not let's not let's not 
to have this this situation of let's compete about co it's, it's coffee for Christ's sake we're talking about a seat we're talking about the earth I feel like yeah we need to give respect to that yeah like and not taking it or not just treating it as like a thing right yeah and that, that's the other thing see price let's not get started on that but see price isn't it shouldn't be a thing this is not a commodity we're talking about a pacha but yeah see yeah, price the one that like decides how much the coffee would cost i know this is a situation with commodity products yeah. but that's another one that anyway anyway yeah. she's just <laughs> listing them all down she's like i got it i got it i got it <laughs> i thought we didn't have any <laughs> <laughs> she's like nope i'm remembering them now <laughs> Yeah, I'm probably gonna have nightmares tonight. But <laughs> honestly, it's more like in the hippie way. Let's focus on 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 our triggers, on our on our rituals, on our on our thoughts, and then you know, let's share what it's it's it would benefit the the, the industry. I was gonna share. say, I feel like what she's doing is actually helping bring awareness to things and like it, it can't, it's this huge cloud anyway it's a huge cloud of things that these are all these problems that are happening where it's it's a system ooh, english is hard systemic issue <laughs> i was gonna say i have like three languages circling in my head at all times <laughs> so it's like a systemic issue here that unless it's brought to awareness with an idea of progressive change not more oppression not who's wrong and who's right it's like how do we tackle the problem together how do we bring these things together nothing's going to go forward the idea of like not keeping it kept yeah. keep talking about it the idea of sharing profiles is to better the the experience that people get to experience with coffee the idea of we should talk about the problem that's this 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 it's not to diminish anyone's reasoning as to why that is an issue it's to bring an idea of well here's something that could be better for not exactly. just like us and we can all be no, no no go ahead sorry oh i didn't know <laughs> i was just gonna say it's it's the it's not just the betterment of us as like the roaster the businesswoman and yeah. whatever the fuck my role is it's <laughs> it goes down to all levels and that's yeah. who it should be all decisions shouldn't just be for one facet of one thing it should be all facets of who can it touch yeah exactly well I feel like we can all be good at risky things and we can all get better mm. and grow together. Yeah. And that shouldn't feel like a competition. Yeah. And it's a very hippie thing. But uh, honestly, like meeting other people, traveling to origin, yeah. make you make you realize like yeah. it is not it is not about this. Like, I feel like um, there is that syndrome of of living in in in. in in countries in Europe or in in the United States, and it's the syndrome of of wanting to get more, but not knowing where what to do with it. There's mm. uh, this greed, neoliberalismo, and capitalismos extremely um, absurd that um, sometimes just going to to into the roots. Yeah. To, to the basic it, it's 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 a learning experience itself mm. like, so let's let's not let's not compete right about yeah. it. i would i feel like it's such a there's so many good things that can be done in the industry yeah 
like also to, uh, to if, if anyone outside the US is listening to us, uh, <laughs> we are, we're doing um, um, a collaboration. A collaboration. Uh, at the end of the year, we're going to uh, have a box with coffees uh, from different companies, women owned uh, Mexico, Philippines, uh, Ung Hungria, Colombia, here in the States. Uh, so if you own a um, coffee business and, you know, you want a partner, of course, you there's there's money involved. Is that your question? Yes, you will get paid for the product, but it's more to get this box to a, to different parts of the world so right. people can get to know what is being done in origin and by other women's yeah. worldwide. Love that. How roasted in origin, how mm. the coffee tastes in origin. So it would be kind of like a travel around the world through coffee. I love With that. Different producers, different producers, women yeah. in coffee. So yes. Yeah, that's the vision. <laughs> yeah, we had some really great conversations today <laughs> on such a variety and such a spectrum. I know, it's like a full circle. <laughs> different colors, different palettes. <laughs> well, I really appreciate you guys coming on here and like talking to me so openly and candidly about what you guys and your values and, and what you see going forward. Yeah, no, thank you for having us. And if you're ever in New York visiting, like, let us know. We're happy to. That's a dream. I've never been to New York, actually. Fun fact. Yeah, come visit anytime. Um, Not summer, because it does get really hot and stinky. So maybe, like, fall or spring would be your best bet. Yeah, come visit. Yeah. Food from all over the world. Very good food. Mm. Well, was there uh, anything else you guys wanted to leave off uh, on a good note while we're here? <laughs> um, we're bringing in Asian coffees, finally. Woohoo! Philippines yet. Oh, we're working on it. But we're bringing some coffees from China, Sumatra. Wow. Yeah. Um, well, Papua New Guinea is Oceania, but from yeah. the other side. Yeah, from the other side, we didn't get to like have our hands on in the beginning. Um, we're finally bringing a lot. We're embracing the yeah, because we also exactly we want people to not be skeptical and scared of trying um, Asian coffees. Right. So we want to like slowly bring that in, and so when they see China in the bag, they're not going to be like, "Ooh, what is this going to taste right. like?" Right. So I know it's going to be a hard sell in the beginning, maybe. I don't know. But I hope, like, slowly that mm -hmm. won't be an issue years from now. Yeah. No, I think it's just, like, everything else in a lot of the coffee scene is just going to keep growing, especially with the, the way everything is going right now. Yeah, exactly. Well, hopefully. But always good. All right. <laughs> mm -hmm. And we're happy to collaborate with any people out there that just reach out yeah we always work with a lot of um especially women um actually yeah people uh there are girls from mexico that reach out and wanted to collaborate it's been really nice just like having this platform or questions very powerful. just for questions yeah. like building a community where we feel safe asking stupid questions mm. perfect so yeah if you have questions ask Right. We have nowadays email, Instagram, <laughs> WhatsApp, 
yeah. by message just reach out yeah like ask and you're not gonna get snubbed and we'll provide you some questions I and mean, answers that we can or provide. if we cannot we'll direct you to see. people that can help you because mm-hmm. i feel like those are things that i didn't have or we didn't have yeah. in the beginning is like having that just confidence to asking someone mm-hmm. for help in a way yeah or some ideas but yeah like we're, we're open to doing all that and i know you too and a lot other mm-hmm. a lot of other out there as well yeah i mean i just want more of us more women more women of color and queer people to be in the industry and kind of like making pioneering uh, moves towards helping and growing a lot of the communities back in origin and helping growing a lot of educational things here too. So yeah, I really, really loved talking to you both. Um, And I really appreciated you guys both being able to be on the show and I will not hold any more of your time. I know it's been a little bit long today. Oh no, it's totally our our pleasure. Um, yeah, thank you for starting this podcast. <laughs> no, I, I feel like it's like a great platform. Like as you said, you want to like start building this like community. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's just gonna grow from since when you started. So thank you. Best of luck yeah. to you. Thank you. And yeah. Muchas gracias. Thank you so much. You guys have a great rest of your night. You as well. Tú también. Mm-hmm. Great to meet you. It was great meeting you both. Bye-bye. It's always like that awkward time when you're trying to get off of Zoom after saying bye and you're like, just get to the end. Don't be that awkward person where you're smiling awkwardly. Woo! What a good episode. Ugh. It's like another opportunity where I get to meet really awesome women who do awesome things. Um... Yeah, it was just. I feel like it was like two people who came from totally different backgrounds, literally from their racial backgrounds to their career backgrounds, and they're like, "Why not?" And then they decided to, and then now, like their business, their marriage, everything—it's so it's so intertwined with their lives. They just seem like really good folk. Like I, I would, I would just be like, this is a good positive group of people. I really find it interesting how all of us, at the end of the day, keep vocalizing these issues, right? Like the, it's every person who's come on the episodes of the show have vocalized certain values that are just systemic, reoccurring problems that just. It is what it is, and it's frustrating. Um, And I know the viewers couldn't see Jessica's face, but there was a lot of many times where there's this apparent frustration with just certain things that happen in the industry. I also learned a lot about uh, Filipino coffee. 
I don't know anything about the Philippines. I also would love to work with a lot of the importers they use because obviously they're doing a lot of that that paving of the path of women owned or women produced or both. That that's the entire sourcing I want to start doing as well. So just yeah. We can pause for that. Yes, please, can we? We can pause. We'll pause. For a brief pee break. Oh! We are back, and I am relieved. Because <laughs> literally, literally, and figuratively. Exactly. I guess you can get in that direction. Yeah. I love that they send some of what they roasted back to Origin. All of it. It seems like it's just such an integrated process. And it's such a simple thing to do. Yeah, it's like a thank you note. Bingo. Oh, I like that. It's, like it's a thank yeah. you. Thank you for doing the hard work. Mm -hmm. And this is what we did with it. This is the fruits of your labor that you don't get to try. You don't get to try. I yeah. mean, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's such a simple thing to do if you think about it. Maybe logistically, it's hard to do to get it. Since they said the tracing's hard, maybe they can't. But when they know how to get it back, they do it. Isn't it great? I like how much they emphasize like ethical sourcing. They really do. And how hard it is to do. Yeah, because a lot of people would rather. Um, and I'm only talking. I'm only talking from like the importing scan. Because that would require too much power that they already don't get. They don't get, right. But, yeah, the way that imp like importers have this power of kind of manipulating the situation to receive profit over value. And obviously this doesn't apply to all importers. Um, but have I had an experience where it was just like, we need money first and then we'll give you what you want? Yeah. Mm. But, no, everything Jessica was talking about, like... I, I absolutely love the uh, the term pachamacha. Mm -hmm. Pachamama? That was what it was. Yeah, yeah. My ignorance. <laughs> um, but I just loved that so much. How much she, like you could tell throughout the course of the episode how much it means to her. Everything that she's doing. She wanted the, she left, she, she wanted to do something where it marked uh, for her something that mattered that kind of like, the work that she's doing is contributing to something. Mm -hmm. And you can tell that it, it, it goes down deep for her. She's like, I'm respecting not just the people. I'm not just respecting what I'm doing. I'm respecting Mother Earth. And that's like where it all comes down to. And like her spirituality being such a huge part of it. Like everything she does, it seems like it's fully ingrained in her that this is, a, this is something that I'm going to honor and respect. Yeah. And I love and love and respect her for that. Yeah. It makes me genuinely want to support her even more so. Like the sheer passion she has towards what she's doing. Yeah. It's infectious. It's, in, it's like that's contagious. Like that's the kind of energy that I also want to be able to do. All right. And, and, and she calls it, it I know it's kind of hippie. I know it's kind of <laughs> heavy. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, I think that's, uh, it's, it's just respectful. It's what we should be doing. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I, I, you know, this may have been the most in-depth conversation you had about the uncomfortable conversation. Yeah, because even she started at the initiation she, of that. And, and, and we've, you've had that conversation, 
with everyone you've talked to mm-hmm. in regards to the topic of the uncomfortable conversation. But I think this one really was enlightening at that. Well, who's it uncomfortable for? I loved that point. Why is it that we're the only ones uncomfortable by this conversation? Like, yeah. why is it that we're meant to be the ones uncomfortable? Because in reality, it really is men get this, like, this free-for-all of open open mouth, almost. Mm-hmm. Where it's just, like, anything that comes out is kind of just, like, whatever. It's, it's free-for-all. But, like, women just constantly have this... She brought up a lot of colonialism and colonization yeah, too, which yeah. has a huge part into a lot of the mindset sure, that we are. Sure. Yeah, and, and how she's she's seen the pattern and she's yep. given it a name and she yep. knows, okay, going to that country or working with them, that's what their attitude they're gonna mm-hmm. have. Uh, which is which is good. Pre warned, forewarned, you know what you're working with. Yeah. Really. Uh, yeah, just uh, I, I'm very impressed with those two. Very, very impressed. Not that I have been impressed with everyone you've talked to, but wow, they just, they're, they're taking it by the nuts and just go, we're going to do yeah. it this way. Jewel also pointed out how, like, a lot of the path that women, they haven't really had the opportunity to, it's like they've made that path. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not to not to be this person, but as soon as they said that, I just really thought about what this podcast represents. It's like as much as like, because obviously the question was, do you feel like there's a rise in women inclusivity? And it's like, do you feel like it's being offered to women more of an opportunity to be at the table? And they both were like, well, there was never a part where we were invited. It's like we took it. And I think in general, when I'm talking about having these conversations and being uncomfortable and being confrontational and direct about these issues within the industry, from a systemic part to the producing like product part, like... This is what this is all about. It's like, obviously, I didn't get a chance to really <laughs> get asked to be a part of this table, but I'm definitely taking it. <laughs> right. and, and, and it's funny once I got the feeling that when they answered that question, mm-hmm. that once they're there, nobody's kicking them out. I mean, if you know what I mean, it's like we're there. We're here. Okay. Let's keep I, pushing. Keep pushing. Yeah. Um, that, think- that they're, they're respecting the progress that's been made. Mm-hmm. And once they're there, they're just holding on to it. Yeah, I like how... Or whoever is there at the table is like, mine, it's mine. Jessica also, like, mentioned to not abuse your power. And, you know, Bailey, when she was the first person that came on also, it was just like Mm -hmm. how she's had women who are like, well, I'm a woman and this is happening. I'm like, understand how the patriarchy lives in us is what Jessica was saying. Mm -hmm. As a woman, we have a responsibility towards us and not to abuse our power. I loved how she said that. And, um, and that's, you know, in part, that's being human, too. We all have ego, mm-hmm. and we have to keep it in check and be respectful and understand what was given to you, what you fought for, what was paved before you. You need to understand that can be taken away very quickly if you don't respect how it was gotten, how it was. Right, I think. And I, I keep saying given to, and, and, and she's right. It was never given. Yeah, I think another thing is never to given. also... <laughs> Damn it. I literally lost the thought. <laughs> Fuck. That sucks. It, it, it I had back. a really good one. It will come back. It will come back. But wow, talk about they're, they're uh, sourcing out the, mm-hmm. all these. I, they're talking about countries. I had no idea even produced coffee. I didn't know China did. But it shouldn't surprise me. 
But that's kind of cool. Yeah. What's sad about you know the perception of Asia in terms of that culture is that everyone just assumes it's a tea-ridden country, and that's like. Yeah, mm-hmm. And that's true. Good point. I never thought of it that way, but I just never know China was a coffee-producing country. I've had some though. really I'd, good China coffee. Really? Okay. Yeah. And I'd I'd love to try. I mean, that's that's real interesting. Just to there's these countries that are under the scope of production where. Like Yemen is part of it. It's very underdeveloped, but it's present. There's good coffee available literally in all of these underdeveloped I can believe countries. that. And I can like, believe that. The government doesn't give a fuck, which is stupid, like how Jessica was saying about yeah. the Philippines not supporting. Mm-hmm. And then it's just, yeah, politics really get in the, in the way of supporting the countries that are trying to uplift it. And I'm, a, I'm a hoping and assuming it's not just coffee that's singled out. Probably not. I, ho- I hope don't. not. I hope not. But even if it is or it's not, it's still grouped and it's a problem. So um, you wouldn't think it would be singled out. But I, I, I just uh, I was amazed that they're solving problems in their own little way. Little by little, you know, sending what they made back. I think it's just so respectful for everything. It's just amazing. And then, you know really pushing that origins like uh no she speaks spanish we're cool let's keep going further mm-hmm. <laughs> you know don't s- don't bullshit a bullshitter here it almost yeah. smells like you know uh quit screwing around this is yeah. one of these moments where it's like amazing i don't know if i'm the only person who suffers from this but damn do i wish i knew spanish it's one of those moments where it's like i wish i could just go up to the producer and just have a fucking conversation about the coffee about their life and their story but i don't fucking speak spanish like there was a coffee we have that we're sourcing that is a woman-owned women produced and the importer has been really great about traceability and everything and i told him i was like i would love to sit and talk to her and like get to know her as a person because it's like i'm trying to build relationships here and he's like well i can sit in and translate because sadly she doesn't speak English and I'm like fuck I was like I don't want this barrier like I hate the fact that I can't speak Spanish All right. but if you do have an importer that's willing to do that for you yeah, is it, it, it is a situation that's good at least, you know, considering all the stories you have and I have heard now of importers as being kind of total dicks <laughs> so not, not giving access to the producers um but no, I think uh, I think they're doing some really, really good stuff. How long have they had their coffee shop in play? Do you know? You know, I should have, like I said, with all the research you that know, I couldn't find. Fine. Of course, it's I crazy. don't go through the basic information. It sounds like they've been doing it for a bit. So, yeah, that's great. Yeah. New York's coffee scene's something else. I'll tell you what. Must be. Like, I'm just like, the more I'm speaking, a lot of the people that we've had on the show has have been from the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like. Yeah, there's not been a. Bailey's from the West. Well, and that's about it. Yeah. They need, to, or, even, need yeah. to even it out, kind of see what else is going on over there. Yeah, exactly. I know. Yeah. I think in general, we got to figure out a yeah. bunch. And that's kind of sad that like a lot of the people that I've been interacting with are in predominantly the most populated areas. Like it's people that are under the ground that people don't know much about. But here's the thing. It'll eventually come when it needs to come. Everything happens for a reason. Everything will fall into place. Maybe more opportunity for that to happen in larger cities, too, than let's say a Columbus site or something like that. Yeah. You know that. I mean, you're here. You know exactly what's going on in central Ohio. <laughs> and you know what's funny is more opportunity. Um, at one point I was working with Ruth on that winter blend and I was like asking her for information on other roasters here in Ohio that are women. 
Because, of course, I would love to meet people who are more local. Mm -hmm. Like, that would be just easier. Plus, it's like, eventually, I would love to become more in person versus just the Zoom call. Yeah. And it's really interesting how she came back with only one other person. Really? Yeah. And I was like, wow, really goes to show how diverse this state is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But some have... <laughs> If not now, when? Somebody's got to do something here. Right. Well, we love us our Starbucks. Jeez, I'm Yeah, we're God. still on that second God. wave kind of dark roast bullshit. Yeesh. Jeez. Oh, wow. Wow, that's great interview. Hopefully they'll Honestly, be back. Yeah. It was really, it was so... just really, everyone brings a different perspective in how they are handling what they have to handle. Let's put it that way. Because uh, everybody's walking in their own unique situation and... Um, you know, just even to the point of them, and we've kind of, you know, rehashing what the interview was, but just that uh, looking at them from color first, then hearing them talk, and there's just all these different oh, layers of horseshit. Oh my God. Oh my oh, God. God. As soon as she started talking about it, I'm oh. like, you don't even need to explain it. Girl, no. I've been in the same fucking position. That is so fucking frustrating. I have such, such. Mm such a problem with the way Americans look at immigrants and the way that Americans look at people of color in general but like the way that people don't even they don't give a fuck about how to address things man yeah. what are you like you don't what look, are you I fucking exactly. hate that question yeah. more than absolutely God. anything and I get smart as fuck about it I'm like you're gonna ask me what I am <laughs> do I look like a fucking animal to you Absolutely exactly. not. Exactly. Wow. But no, wow. like the way that she was talking about how everybody has this expectation of who she's supposed to be, and then she opens her mouth, and then she's the spectacle of fucking exotic nature. Like, what the fuck do the, like? It goes back to what I said. America was built on immigrants. We're supposed to be normal here, and then all of a sudden, shit flipped upside the fuck down at some point in history, and they're like, "We've been here." for so long and nothing's fucking changed with this idea of this exotic creature that is anything that is not caucasian and white and of right. european or eurocentric yeah. value and i'm like you got to realize this country wasn't even built on white people right i mean really if you dig into the history and mm -hmm. kind of going off topic but nope. a little bit but it's like america was never um colorblind or race blind, or yeah. where are you from? Country? I mean, come mm -hmm. on, the early days when the when the Irish came over because the you know the potato the plague and stuff. My, my God, when they came off the boat in New York, they it was horrendous for them. And that's just one example. I mean, we've we've never really been a come on over. We are the melting pot. Well, that's yeah. that's kind of a a branding thing, uh, a PR thing that we put together that it's like, we, we, we are more welcoming than most countries. I'll give us that okay. in regards to yeah. coming over. I mean, seriously, you know. I but, mean, like, even Jessica was like, we couldn't be the way that we are in right. Colombia or in the Philippines. So right. So it's like, yeah, obviously there's a certain we, level of openness that is naturally But not here. the, I don't think the, the, the terminology melting pot yeah. really should be used anymore. I, mean, I guess <laughs> I guess looking at it, we are. But that, visually, but visually, only. but it, but it doesn't. It, it has the connotation of like, come on over. We we want you to come like on. Yeah, this we welcoming loved spirit it. that everybody's welcome here. But in reality, it's, once you step foot and live here, you're like, Ooh. not really. Exactly that. Uh, you can be here, but you have a place. Ugh. You have a place to be in mm. our caste society. Yeah. We so, have now turned yeah, from coffee we, to we have politics. Been, <laughs> we have. 
But uh, but but to, again, to their point, though, yeah. I mean, it's not like we 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 picked this subject out of midair. Um, but right. no, I totally get what they're where they're coming from, and 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 maybe it's I was probably a dick when I was younger, but same time when it comes with age, you kind of go, I don't who gives a shit, you know. Make some great coffee. That's cool. <laughs> you know, I love to have it. You know, and um, and again, I you know the grading thing. I, I don't. I don't get. I I personally have never. At least I don't think I have had a well graded cup of coffee. I, I don't know what the difference is. I mean, I can't imagine that I'm going to have if I ever have one. And I'm not venturing to want to. That it's going to be the, the the pivotal point in my life. Going, my life has changed. That I've had a a high rated coffee i can't imagine coffee's coffee to me mm. i love the taste of coffee I you think, know i i'm sure there is a difference i'm sure there probably is but it's like i don't think it'll make a difference in my life if i ever have one it's kind of like the analogy of when you have like processed pasta and then hand homemade pasta like okay. the quality difference is there okay okay and it's obviously like it can be snobbish for some people who sure. start to adapt to like I'm only eating handmade, hand rolled pasta. pasta. Sure. But in reality, yeah, like altogether, coffee, the commodity is it's a product of yeah, yeah. There's much more to it than yeah. I think it's a it's a close analogy, but mm-hmm. yeah, there's a whole lot. Yeah, more Yeah, there's to just it. like so many layers. But I'm like in reality, like when they asked me for my hot take, I should have brought up coffee bros. God fucking god damn it. <laughs> like the the pretentiousness that is like I'm not going <laughs> to I mean it's been brought up in other episodes, right? Like this yeah, is just like yeah. it's reiterating a lot of the same problems that a lot of people who genuinely give a fuck about the coffee and the people versus just like this idea that the coffee is a pretty accessory to a personality trait and I'm like fuck you. Wow, yeah. And how coffee got there. Oh my gosh, talk about a PR job <laughs> from the coffee industry to yeah. to elevate it from mm-hmm. the hot water crystal Nescafe. <laughs> I, 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 maybe that's the pendulum swing. I don't know that it was. We got to get it out of this powder, you know, crystal instant coffee. Instant which is, coffee is a very interesting part of the coffee world. I imagine it is. I'm not a very big fan of it, but... <laughs> Yeah, I feel like, uh, speaking of... Uh, it's okay. I would love to bring somebody who's part of the instant coffee Yeah, that would be interesting. ...and pick their brain. Because yeah, of all the yeah. things that I have absolutely no really I, good idea yeah. of what coffee is being used, thrown into that pot right. of instant coffee. Because, yeah, here's the thing. American instant coffee, trash. Is it okay? Asian instant coffee, delicious. Oh, so really? So it's really interesting. It's all very different in different parts of the oh, world. Oh, okay, okay. But, like, yo, if you go to fucking Walmart and you get some shitty-ass yeah. instant coffee, best believe I'm not going to drink that shit. I'm assuming that instant coffee was probably a... Um, a World War II item that it was mm. rationed, and here was the best way we could do it, and it just kind of stuck. But it's it's a huge part of like that. We go, but that here's the thing: we've been scaling only on the specialty coffee spectrum. A lot mm. of ma- micro roasters, so sm- smaller roasters, sure. like ones that aren't chain driven. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the only chain driven one we had was Bailey. She works for a macro roaster who's Cafe Vita. Right. Uh, she also does not work there any longer. But um, oh wow, okay. she. Moved mm. on to another place. But in general, there's specialty coffee and then there's commercial coffee. And commercial coffee is a whole other spectrum and a lot of different semantics. Yeah. Um, 
but I also feel very ignorant in that in that space. And as somebody who is a sponge for knowledge, I would love to bring somebody who works in instant, yeah. more commercialized coffee and understand the differences between the coffee production industries that we're both in and, and how they how they work. Because obviously, I don't know enough. But right. that'd be interesting. You know, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. You now have. More homework to do. <laughs> like yeah. you didn't have enough already. <laughs> <laughs> Never ending sourcing for people is always go. a good time for me. Yeah. <laughs> good episode. Mm-hmm.